Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this month's reflection episode, May 2022. I'm going to keep this intro short as you are going to be listening to a lot of perspectives. May was a very challenging month for me. A lot of highs, lows, a lot of me really sort of asking myself the question, why is this happening to me? And even as somebody who's done so much work, who understands that everything is perfect and the universe has always got your back and all these philosophies that we continue to explore on the podcast, even then there are moments when you just don't feel that way. And This month, I spent a lot of time unpacking why my mind feels so attached to certain timelines, why my mind wants control. What satisfaction is my mind getting from needing to know the answer, to have certainty? And these questions led me down a pretty interesting path, and we share a lot of those answers and perspectives on this week's episode Georgina did an incredible job of pulling out a lot of things that I didn't actually already have unpacked. Usually I come into my reflection episodes with pages of notes. This month I didn't, I think one or two pages, but most of my unpacking was actually done live on the episode. And so Georgina did an incredible job. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. I hope it allows you to find solace in your own journey. I hope it allows you to make sense of your own frustrations, make sense of your own attachments to safety or security or certainty, make sense of the expectations you may be consciously or unconsciously putting on the world or your significant other or your friends and family. Yeah, it was just what a powerful month of learning, of growth. And I'm so grateful that I get to do it alongside all of you. So thank you for giving me your attention your energy. I just, it means the world to me. And I'm just so grateful that I get to share these lessons with all of you. So enjoy it. If you haven't already subscribed to us on all of the podcast apps, Spotify or iTunes, all that means that every single time I release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Leave us a review. If this episode landed for you, shoot me a DM on social media. I love hearing your biggest takeaways, your perspectives. And especially if you're doing your own monthly reflections, like if my process has inspired yours, I totally want to hear that and hear what you are processing, what's present for you. We're all in this together. And I just want to give you all a big, big, big hug. I know there's a lot happening in the world right now and a lot happening in our own inner worlds. And it just seems like every single person I talk to right now is 
dealing with their own flavor of chaos. So there's a lot of compassion to be shared amongst one another. So if you're going through it and it's difficult, I love you. I'm cheering you on. You got this. We got this. And um, let's just keep going. Anyways, without further ado, here is this month's or May 22's monthly reflection episode. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you are all having a beautiful day so far. I am so grateful to be back here with one of my favorite humans yet again, Georgina. Welcome to June or May's monthly reflection. Hey Raj, hey everyone. It's great to be here again. Oh man, it uh I feel I was sharing with you earlier, you know, usually I come to the monthly reflections with pages of notes. And usually I will have found a theme or a pattern that defines where I'm going to go next. And I actually feel like this is the first reflection in a while where I've had so many things happen, so many moving parts, so many triggers, so many like just roller coasters of emotions and responses to what's happening in the world and what's what's showing up in my own awareness that I don't know if I have. I actually feel like the lesson is going to come in this episode in me unpacking it in me talking about it in me reflecting on some of the things with you, Georgina. So I'm super grateful to be here learning about my month the same way that anyone else listening might be. <laughs> Awesome. This is going to be fun. fun. Yeah. And I think it, you, you raised a really important point. These are, it's been a, it's been a difficult month, like globally. And obviously events in, in America recently have been highlighting the collective pain. And I think that's a reflection on all of us as well. So that, that feels good to talk about too. Yeah. Such a, just the shootings in Uvalde that I think it shocked a lot of people. It doesn't matter if you have kids or not. It doesn't matter what side of the coin you're on. And and there's a lot of, I'm not going to politicize this. This is not what this is about right now. Um, but I am here to, to speak on one thing I did notice, which was, you know, the mom, I remembered watching the post interviews on the news about the shootings. And I think the mom of the shooter, she she kept saying, you know, I never saw this coming. I never saw my son doing something like this. I never did. And I remembered watching that and reflecting on it and being with that. And I realized, you know, that the reason why her, she couldn't see her son's pain is because she can't see her own. Because she doesn't know her own trauma. She doesn't know her own disconnection. And I think that's what the problem is right now. It's that we normalize illness. We normalize in the body. We normalize illness in the mind. We normalize fractured relationships. We normalize all this stuff in society because that's what has been deemed as the baseline. But we're so far from the baseline of healthy that we can't even see broken anymore. 
we're like fish swimming in water. We don't even realize we're in water. We don't even realize we are breathing air. We're so unconscious to the way that we're so unconscious. <laughs> I guess if I had to really bring back down to a singular problem in society that I think is a foundational problem beneath every physical disease, every emotional disease, every community disease, we are unconscious to our, uh, we are just unconscious and, and it just hurts so much. I, I feel so much for those parents and the community and, and, and I'm not blaming the parent. You can't, you can't blame anybody. You know, she did her best with what she knew. She was parenting the way that she was parented and the cycle of generational trauma passes through generational belief systems. And anyways, just a lot that can be unpacked there. But and I think that's what brings me so much. This is why I'm so inspired to really, again, be an example of doing the inner work and why I love to talk about doing the inner work on these episodes and the importance of going inward and having hard conversations and looking at and learning to love ourselves and learning to practice compassion for others and forgiveness and, and why that's so important because it truly is, I think, the thing that's going to fight the fire of society with water. It's, it's, it's going against the grain. Going with the grain would be perpetuating, would be fighting, would be us versus them, blame. Healing these core wounds of society comes with love. It comes with compassion. It comes with a fundamentally different approach to, to loving ourselves and others and practicing that as a culture in society. That's such a beautiful observation. And I love what you said there about this piece of what we've kind of normalized as a society and how by elevating our individual awareness and doing reflective and introspective work to really meet ourselves within and know who we are and face our traumas and all that stuff, how that can transform who, you know, how we operate together. Because I think we can all see there's so many things that just don't work for most people right now. The events, the shootings, you know, prime example of how things aren't working. And so, you know, I feel that we can all do something that can turn the tide in some ways. And knowing that even reflective work and doing your own inner healing, how that can contribute because it can help to elevate our collective consciousness. So I think I just want to say that in those moments when we feel so disempowered and we can find some power within by knowing who we, who we really are. Yeah. And you know, I, the research is showing it now, almost every physical disease and community disease. Like if you think about incarceration rates, if you think of anything mm-hmm. like there's studies, the CDC did a study, I think back in 2000 and I remember what sometime in the last five to 10 years on the link between adverse childhood experiences and all of these diseases, cancer, any of the blood diseases are um, heart conditions, obesity, you name a thing in society, it comes back down to adverse childhood experiences. When I looked at the definition of adverse childhood experiences, 
The top one was emotional neglect. When I thought about childhood trauma, you know, like I always was like, you know, childhood trauma, it's like people getting beat, people getting sexually abused, like all of these big T traumas. I never considered the little T traumas of not being told that you're worthy or, or being pushed to excel or all of these emotional sort of the lack of emotional support, emotional yeah. neglect being tied to all of these conditions as well. And I think when we can expand that, that's what to me brings compassion, mm-hmm. right? It isn't just yeah. the individuals like you, when you see another hurting and something happening in society, like it's a reflection for you as well. Like there's hurt in you. And I think acknowledging that as a collective is what I think is going to change the conversation. It's acknowledging that we're all carrying some level of whether it's big T trauma. And I don't like the word trauma. I like to think of condensed emotional experiences. Like we have emotional experiences that were adverse in nature. And because we didn't have the tools to navigate those at a younger age, we our default was to not process them, store them in our bodies and live our lives unconscious to them, right? Like big T, little T, like emotional experiences, adverse emotional experiences, we all have them. And whether we were born with them or not, maybe our parents were, which then travels through epigenetics. And so this is such a bigger conversation, you know, and, and I think it's one that brings back to the importance of not needing to know like, I, I think one of the big lessons that I really walked away and, you know, last weekend I got to interview some pretty extraordinary human beings at a, at a festival I was at. And cool. one of the individuals that I got to interview, whose interview will be coming out probably in the next month or so, was a man named Steve Little, who is the chairman of the app. And he, he is an extremely spiritual human being who's had tremendous business success. Several companies sold. The first one sold at the age of 15 for the equivalent at the time of $5 million. That's impressive. Um, and, and, he, wow. and he spoke a lot to the spiritual journey of, of creating your life. And one of the things that he practiced was a, a practice which he learned from an ancient Hawaiian spiritual teacher. I forgot the name. Doctor, It was a doctor, actually, who learned a practice called the Ho'opopono which is a a self-forgiveness mantra. And the mantra starts with, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And he practiced that regularly for almost 30 something years, you know, without knowing what he was saying, I'm sorry for, without knowing what he was forgiving, without knowing, like without knowing. And, And he's from his own life experience shared how that has shifted the energy of his life. And I think we're all carrying burdens that are not ours. We are all carrying things that we're unconscious to. And I think when we can learn to connect back to love, right? Like that mantra right there is a connection back to love. It is, I'm sorry, which is surrender, surrendering the ego. Please forgive me, which is really you're saying that. And in some ways you're asking for forgiveness, which is one of the hardest things to do. Asking for forgiveness in my eyes is, is that is spiritual surrender. That is you putting down all your guards, whether you believe you did something wrong or not. It to me is, I think a really difficult thing to do. And, and, and um, I love you. And then thank you. 
right? So anyways, I just loved his mantra and how I'm not saying it's something that I'm starting to play with it. I don't, I don't know if I've reached the level of spiritual death to where like I'm starting to see the benefits of a practice like that. You know, it's just a mantra, but the idea I thought was really powerful, which is we don't know what's unconsciously running in our background. So just release it. And a practice of releasing what's not ours and coming back to presence is a big lesson that I really got reminded this month. It was in fact, I think the lesson, if I had to think about it, which my mind seems to think it has all the answers. Which makes sense, right? Because that's what we've been conditioned to believe is that the mind is all powerful and it's the most important part of us. But I think part of this journey is discovering that there are other places of wisdom and insight that we can tap into. And sometimes that contradicts or conflicts with what the mind thinks. And then it's about all which do you trust? Well, they're both right. Let's start with that, right? That's the hard part. The voice in your mind is just as valid, right, and rooted in logic. Mm-hmm. The, the, the logic might be outdated, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's the thing. The mind is running on logic it developed when you were a child. And it yeah. is on you as the adult to do the work to recognize when your mind is running a story that is not present and when your mind is actually being the protective force that it is. Mm-hmm. And they're both right. Because at the end of the day, your mind doesn't want you to die. The mind is there to help you survive. It's just running on outdated belief systems that are not in alignment with the soul, that are not in alignment with universal creation, that are not in alignment with, I think, what you really crave and desire, which is a fulfilling life experience. It might be sometimes, like I've done so much work over the last three, four years to shift my belief systems and shift my mindset and change the way that I view the world so I can be in connection with a, with a vision of infinite possibility, with a vision of infinite service, with a vision that is in my heart, that is much bigger than anything my mind can comprehend. And I've done the work and I'm human. And when things aren't happening fast enough, when I get hit with things that are outside of my control, my mind does go into this like, why the hell is this happening to me? My mind does run an old script of wanting to blame and be in in anger and jealousy and disgust. My mind does want to go into this space of abandoning my own needs to people please because it feels like that is what I need to do to be safe and loved. And, And so like it's the mind is not wrong. The mind is just being the mind and I'm recognizing it for what it is. And it's back to the practices. Like I, it's so important to come back to presence and trust and really connect with vision. And I think that's where, especially in times like these, when there's so much noise, I find for me, the lesson keeps coming back to like, can I stay rooted in my vision right? and connect with the vision in my heart of what I know is possible of what I know to be true. And And that's found in presence. It's found in in contemplation. It's found in in practices that evoke a level of of embodied self-love where you're really connecting with your feelings and, and you're connecting with others and you're coming back to what's true. And you're not going into your stories. Like your stories are, are, they're just stories. There's there. And that's, you know, back to, 
if you even think about mental illness, like mental illness is, is to me like so disconnected from truth that we just keep playing stories of hurt in our mind and we're stuck there. We're stuck in our minds. And I think that's our, our plague as a, as a society. We're just running loops in our minds because we're so afraid of feeling. We're so afraid of surrendering control and our egos we're so afraid of being wrong and what that means about us. We're so afraid of looking like failures in society that award success. I know for me, one of my biggest fears is not being successful and what that means about me. Like when I have business struggles and when, when we're having a hard time and, and I've gone through several entrepreneurial seasons, right? Like I've, this isn't my first rodeo anymore. I can, now I can say that like, you know, I've gone through many challenges from a pandemics to lawsuits, to people stealing money from us, to making wrong decisions, making hella right decisions, making it big. I've gone through the whole gambit now and I can see the entrepreneurial journey. And, and for me, I, I, I realize, you know, when things get hard, like that's when the voices become really loud in my mind, which is the fears that are not necessarily rooted in truth. Like the fears that if I lost everything, I wouldn't have love. That's such a a thing I learned maybe when I was a child that, you know, maybe, and that's not even something my parents taught me. It's something I learned. It was a perception that I learned in my own mind that I needed to perform. I needed to be successful in order to get the proud slap on the back or, you know, like I learned these things. My parents never taught me them or maybe not consciously, but I, I learned these things. And when things get hard, these voices come up and then I have to learn to recognize them when they're showing up. And, and that's my work. And so I think it's not that the mind is better or worse than the, the soul and that infinite and that grandfather or grandmother wisdom that's ancient, right? Our, our ancestral wisdom, this connected wisdom, the earth's wisdom that is much deeper than, than anything we might be able to comprehend with our, our minds, especially when our minds are in triggered states that are, you know, childlike, how the fuck is that supposed to work? Like when you're triggered, how the hell is your triggered mind supposed to understand the wisdom of the universe? Yeah. You know, when you're in this, this state of like, I'm not, because at that egocentric state, like when you're a child between the ages of zero and seven, everything is about safety and survival. And so if you're running on belief systems that were born in that age range, and you're triggering something and life is giving you something that's triggering deep seated insecurities. It's just hard to trust the voice of wisdom in your heart. So I to say, like, I don't want to make the mind bad because the mind is not bad. The mind is doing exactly what it does. It just requires us to practice discernment and practice integrating and aligning our minds with the infinite love in our hearts, in our souls, in our collective connectedness to all that exists. And that is the work. That is what we get to do as 
I'm reading a book by a lady named Anita Murjani. Think you actually, I think you recommended it to me, Dying to Be Me. It's about this lady who had a near-death experience. She was dying from stage four cancer, I believe. And uh, she had a near-death experience where she actually died and she came back and she talks about that. And in the book, she talked about God. And she, she in the book mentioned, you know, God is not a being, it is a state of being. And when she said that, it really landed for me. Like, I, I don't know why that landed. It was this, I, this feeling, God is a feeling. And that's a feeling we can come back to. I, I keep calling it vision. I keep calling it love. I, you know, there's a lot of words we can use to call presence, right? Like, but it's that feeling of connectedness of like everything is happening in divine order. Everything is happening in perfect harmony. And if it hasn't happened already, doesn't mean it's not happening. Doesn't mean it's never going to happen. There's a lesson in there for you. Right. It's, it's, and, and Steve actually mentioned this, you know, he, he, he said this line on the podcast that I recorded with him, which was, um, because the experience goes away when you get the lesson or the experience changes when you get the lesson. When he was speaking to this idea of like, if you feel like things are just happening the same over and over and over again, it's, you actually get the lesson, which that's on you to find the lesson. And I don't know what my lesson is right now because I'm asking it I'm, uh, to be full transparent. I don't know what the fucking lesson is, but <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm figuring it out myself of like, what is, what am I here to learn in my experience of life in this specific moment? Mm-hmm. And that is a question that keeps coming up for me. And do I have to know the answer? Mm-hmm. Maybe the lesson is actually not needing to know the answer. Because needing to know the answer is me needing to have certainty in the mind. Me trying to understand something that isn't meant to be understood. That feels like quite a conundrum. But um, what I love about what you've just been exploring is this notion that when you refer to it as having a lifestyle of awareness, when you have this lifestyle awareness, you can walk life in this conscious way of noticing when you're being triggered, noticing when things don't feel like they're happening as fast as you want them to. You actually have that awareness and then when you have the awareness, you can do something with that information, with that insights and, and start to do the empowered moves that will enable you to nudge life in the direction you want to go, as opposed to feeling that everything's happening to you. So I think, you know, you just, that's what really landed for me as you were exploring your, this, this current month is there's so much potency in cultivating this lifestyle of awareness, like being reflective, understanding what things mean for you. Because that wisdom, that insight is, it gives you some power. So that, that feels, that feels really powerful for me. You know, one of the things I keep coming back to is like, you kind of mentioned this before we started recording, which was timing versus time, timeline, right? Timeline versus timing, or I don't know, you said something around that. And I, and I think time is an interesting concept that we get to all explore together because we all have different relationships to time. I used to think I was constantly running out of time and I never had enough time to experience all the things I wanted. And I was on a clock to hit certain goals by certain timelines because I needed to be somewhere by a certain age or by this age, I wanted to have this, right? Like there's all these stories around time and all these beliefs around time that I think 
can serve a sense of urgency to take action. And it can serve use. It can be useful to have certain perspectives around time to bring us back to, you know, presence and bring us back to things that matter and help us make sense of this reality, right? Like it's a construct, but we actually don't know when we don't know the universal timeline we have, we have like, I, there's so many things in my life that I wanted by a certain date I didn't get. And then when I let go of wanting it by a certain date, it showed up. I have so many things that happened overnight. I have so many things to me that like, you know, to me, that idea of like overnight success takes 10 years. Like that has two meanings to it. I think one is that like, you keep hustling, 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 hustling. And then all of a sudden, you know, you just like the micro commitments you make every day build up to where it's like, there's a lot at the end. But the other explanation for that, I think is like more compound interest wise, like you're making all these deposits, you don't see any change. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you just hit a break where you just take off. And that to me is like, so there's this idea that like, okay, like for 10 years, whether you had a steady climb up or it looked like nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden you had a monumental shift up. You got to the same place. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you got to the same place. So that's actually the big conundrum that I think that I constantly have to be reminded of is just because it's not happening on my timeline doesn't mean it's not happening in perfect time. Yeah. This is such an important point because this often creates a lot of frustration in my life. I'm like, right, I have this idea, I have these notions of things I want to do and have, I have like an expectation of how long it's going to take and where I think I'm going to be after a certain amount of time. And then if that doesn't happen, I get like, oh, what am I doing wrong? Why isn't this working? And what I have to remind myself is, you know, if, when you're in the thick of that moment and you're experiencing that frustration, you can't actually see the bigger picture. But if you were to like zone out and look, look at yourself in like that 360 perspective and see this particular moment as just part of a longer timeline, what if it's perfect? You can't see what's around the corner. And I think this is where we really have to engage in that dance of life and trusting our instincts and trusting that we're on the right path and that things will unfold in the right timing. Because you're right. You don't know what's around the corner. You might tomorrow have the conversation with the person that completely turns your life upside down. Or you might, you know, make the connection that is the missing piece. We just don't know. All we can do is keep moving in the direction that we feel called to be reflect, learn the lessons where we can. I know I keep referring to this interview that you guys haven't listened to yet. Just know it's coming in a, in a few weeks. With oh, I hear it now. Like dropping too well, many. I mean, like, I mean, like I had so many amazing conversations over the weekend. Like, you know, it was a very interesting experience for me because I didn't know what to, like I had an expectation actually, and I didn't get my expectation met, which is back to this, thing. I got something else. Yeah. Something else Mm. that I actually don't know how it's going to play out in my life. Like I got certain ideas and concepts and, and lessons that were very different than what my mind thought it wanted to accomplish by going to a weekend filled with rock stars and celebrity chefs and all these people. Like I didn't really know, like my mind was like, Oh, go network and make all these things happen. But my soul was like, calling in a different experience for me. It was calling in different 
awarenesses for me. It was calling in different triggers. It was creating an experience that was all perfectly teaching me a much bigger lesson that I still am integrating, that I don't know how it's going to play out in the next month, two months, three months, five months. I don't know how the conversations I had and the perspectives I learned are going to inform my choices, which might open me up to a whole new world of possibility. And I think that's the, that's actually the lesson. Yeah. That's the lesson. If I had to think of a lesson from the month, it's the lesson, right? And that everything is happening for us. And and Steve really mentioned this powerful takeaway on the episode. You talked about the idea of efforting. Uh-huh. He's sold, I think, 10 plus companies for himself and others and is wildly successful. And he's one of the most spiritual human beings I've ever met. And it was what was interesting at the end. He said, Raj, when you feel like efforting, that's when it's most important to be still. And that's not common advice, is it? <laughs> that well, that's what he, and he, and he taught and he gave all these examples of times when he would feel like he had to hustle to hit a goal or hit a deadline. Or he's like, there's this urgency that he's feeling. And he's like acting in that. And every time when he would act from that space, he has direct contradictions. Like when he would do that, what he would get, he would make things happen. Things would go. But when he would like take the time to actually slow himself, calm down, sit in reflection, listen to the message, the message would say, go grab a cup of coffee. He'd go to the coffee shop and the person he'd sit next to at the coffee shop is the person he needed to meet. Like, and he, and he, that's happened to him several times in his life. And honestly, it kind of triggered me when I heard that. And my mind was like, no, dude, you know, you've done this 15 times, but I don't care. You're wrong. You got to work hard to get somewhere. You got to put in the, the time and the effort and the hustle to get somewhere. It's like my mind had this resistance to surrendering and trusting that there's a greater plan. And I think that's my work. Because my, I have this like idea in my mind, the story that I actually have control. I don't have control over an outcome. I have control over how I respond to life. I have control over the energy that I choose to pour into something. I have control over the choices that I make and don't make sometimes, right? When I'm conscious of them. And there's also... This deeper, well, I think my edge for me is surrendering deeper. It's surrendering deeper to this when I feel like efforting. Can I slow down, connect, and then get back into creation? Can I act on my, my inner knowing and my voice? Trust that everything's always on time. Can I trust that? And I am put here for the perfect amount of time to experience what I'm perfectly put here to experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I was like, otherwise I'd already be dead. This is such an important point you're making. And I think our culture is very driven, like very productivity driven, very output driven, very like short-term driven, like results now. And we can often lose sight of the fact that things do have a like a timeline and you think about like nature for me is always such a powerful teacher like I think of an oak tree like inside an acorn and you plant the acorn and you can't rush the the oak tree to grow it's got a it's 
it's got a period of time that it takes for that oak tree to flourish. And it doesn't matter if you water it more, it doesn't matter if you make it hotter, it's not going to grow any faster. In fact, you actually might disrupt the process if you interfere so much. And like nature knows this, nature almost leans back and allows things to unfold. And I think as humans, we've we've lost our ability to do that, although we inherently have it because you know, we think we're in control and we want things to happen on a particular time. We have these expectations and we look at the outside world and it says, oh, you should have this by now and you should be like this if you want to be successful. And we feel, oh, if we don't match up to that, we're not good enough and blah, 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 blah. And it's so important just to take that pause. And what if you allow things to unfold without forcing, without efforting, as, as Steve was explaining it? Like how different could life be for all of us if we were to do that? To me, the desire to effort is like, I need to be somewhere. Just let's sit with the energy of that for a second. I need to be somewhere. Okay. If you got to the end place and you took two different paths there, but you got to the same place, does it matter if you efforted there or not? Does efforting actually matter or does creation matter? I hear this a lot. Like, you know, I think Jesse Elder, uh, who's a, a friend of mine and incredible creator, a coach, he always kind of talks about like, would you rather pay a hundred thousand dollars to get something to get a pro- to make a problem go away in two minutes, or a hundred thousand dollars to get twelve hours with me over twelve months or something like that? That's a brilliant question. Well, no. And most people will probably take the over 12 months. Yeah. Because yeah. because for some reason, efforting is more valuable than the problem going away. That's actually the point that we're making here, which is like, I butchered that. That is not how I think Jesse community, I totally butchered it. But like, that's the idea is like, well, and, and then that begs the question, why? What is it about our need for control, our unconscious programs that are desiring control? And what is our relationship to control that is creating this incessant need to create more work for ourselves than is necessary to create suffering when there's no need to create anxiety and suffering? Why are we creating more noise? in a world that is already inundating us with noise. Like, why are we perpetuating that? And I think that has been my biggest awareness in this last month. That's why am I like the first half of the month, I was getting so triggered and so lost and so many things. And then I remembered on my birthday, actually, like I was going through just a really triggery day of like, trying to invite people to parties and do things. And I was feeling bad that I wasn't texting people back. And I was like, having these stories in my mind and I was getting mad at myself for being like that on my birthday. I was like judging myself for being mad at me on my birthday. And then like I went into a float tank, a friend of mine gifted me a float tank session. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever done float therapy before, but it's freaking amazing. You just sit inside of this, like this magnesium bath where you're like buoyant 
and there's no sensory deprivation. It's like sensory deprivation. And I felt this, and I just kind of like relax and it kind of quiets your mind and it brings you back into your body. And when I got back into my body, I just felt this overwhelming level of peace, clarity, peace, calm. There's no noise. And there's just presence and trust, which then birthed or birthed gratitude and love and compassion. Everything was okay. Everything continues to be okay. There's no noise or there's always noise. And then I create noise. And then I remember that I'm creating noise. So then I go to my practices and I quiet myself, stop efforting. And then I come back to love and then I create again. And then I get triggered again. And then life throws me something again. And it's the cycle of just getting better and better and better. So I don't, maybe that's the lesson. If we had to come back, you know, we're getting towards the end of this, this conversation. Like the lesson maybe is that that is the cycle of life. And Life is not about trying to not be human. It is to actually embrace our human. It is to be in the human. It is to feel the pain. It is to be with what is happening in the world. It is to truly connect with what is while also remembering that there is a greater plan. And if we don't understand it, that's okay too. If we don't choose to understand it, like I don't choose to even want to, the idea of, 21 children being killed as part of a greater plan in the world. I don't want to believe that. That's not a story that that's not even a thing that I like. Why would the universe bring people through suffering like that? There's a whole line of questioning. What is the purpose of that? Right. And I don't want to engage in that because I, the reality is that that is the most heartbreaking thing in the world for those parents. Yeah, you're right. You could go off on a philosophical conversation. You can go on a train. You could try to transcend it and try and be like, oh, this is all part of higher consciousness. Or you could be with the reality, which is this fucking sucks. And it's terrible. And it hurts. That is actually the healing I think we need. It is not to go into the above. It is to go in and feel it and be connected to it. And from there choose a response that is informed by our shared sense of connectedness in the world. And I think that that's how I'm choosing to really actually, even, and I'm hearing for me, the lesson is to be with my own human and to just continue doing the work. It's never ending. It's not a. It's so important what you just said so easy to look away from the tragedy we just saw but actually having the compassion to be able to feel feel what you feel we look away too often and when we look away we sustain the complacency and the status quo we don't look for change we don't look to make things better but when you actually turn to look at really hard things and you acknowledge them and recognize them and see them then well, the desire to make things different certainly rises much harder. Yeah. And I think in order to normalize speaking about our pain, we have to feel our pain. That is so important what you just said. Totally. How the hell are you going to discuss trauma, mental illness, like people hurting? How are you going to even start to work on that without knowing it? 
you have to do the work. You have to do the inner work. You have to be with what is. And that is a journey. And um, that's why I'm here. Right, like I'm, I've been really connecting deeper and deeper with my calling, my purpose, and everything I'm building, everything I'm creating, everything I'm getting ready to share with the world. The next several months are a part of that conversation. How do we normalize and create safe spaces for each other to talk about the things that are hurting us? And how do we learn to love ourselves? in that expression? How do we actually begin healing the core wounds that are not just keeping ourselves trapped in outdated stories, but how do we begin to shift the energy with which the world engages with each other? And I'm just grateful. What a month, what a month. One last question. How did you stay grounded? For me, it was really practices to bring me back into my body, my reflection practices. I certainly have this tendency to get caught in my mind and my visions. Like I I feel like there's a vision in my mind, which is a very safe place for me to be. I like to call those fantasies the fantasy of how I think it needs to be in my mind. And then there's a vision in my heart, which is more of a felt vision. It's a, it's a knowing. And for me, staying grounded this month has been about connecting deeply with the felt vision and whatever tool to help me get there. The float tanks were massive. Breath work has been massive. Just philosophical concepts. Like when you feel like efforting, slow down, You know, those are magic keys that bring me back into a sense of connectedness. You know, I I think it was a combination this month of a lot of things that brought me back into my felt vision. But I think that's how I stayed grounded. It was it was taking the energy and time and prioritizing connecting with that aspect of my spiritual connection of my creative life force this infinite possibility that's in my, in my, in my body and all my chakras and just this full body alignment. That's just universal and can never be shaken. It can be challenged by the mind, but it is truly, it's what helps me stay grounded. When I just remember who I am, why I'm here, what I'm doing and how I'm going to get there. And that's all in my heart. I love that distinction between the mind vision and the body felt vision. Thanks for that. That was my big takeaway. I noticed that like towards the end of the episodes, you know, there's, like I said, the lesson always comes from me at the end. Like I sometimes like come into these monthly reflections with just a page full of notes and a lot of stuff in the air Part of staying grounded for me is also being able to have conversations and unpack stuff like this ritual helps me stay grounded. And sometimes I never feel like, you know, there are times I just don't feel like sitting down and spending a few hours to reflect on my month. Like I'm like, who the hell has time for that? And then I sit down and I do it and I'm just like, gosh, I'm so glad I did. And I'm so glad I spent the time with you to unpack it and explore it. And 
it always informs something beautiful and, and, and it always gives me a perspective as well. So thank you, Georgina, for just holding the space and being who you are and asking thoughtful questions and sharing your reflections. And it's just so powerful to witness and watch you grow and, and us grow together on this kooky little experiment that started almost what, two years ago. I think we've recorded a monthly reflection since January of, I guess, December of 2020. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, some time And, and so anyways, But uh, everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your old friend, Georgina. And from us, stay grounded. We will chat real soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.